Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hang Ups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. Everybody, we're super excited today to have movie legend Dennis Quaid. He's been in over 70 films, one of my favorite of all time, Breaking Away. Changed my life when I was a kid. I started riding my bike like a madman after that. Musician, songwriter, Dennisance uh, man. We're part of the Audio Up podcast family and honored to be part of the Audio Up podcast family. So we're, Dennis, I'm just super excited to have you on here today. Thank oh, you thank so you, much. But please don't call me legend. My humble life's not through. <laughs> well you are but okay we won't call you that so um so we've been having a lot of people on here and what's interesting to me is that you know people are create like the people we're having on here a lot of musicians are creating like crazy during this time you know it's a difficult time for most people and i'm wondering i'm like is that the key right now create like because creating you know it's it connects you to a higher power for me or whatever. And so you created this um, podcast platform in this time, right? Yes. And creating is just something I can't help but do. Really, I, I think it's a, an affliction for, for those who do, because it's, you know, when it comes to like songwriting or writing in general or whatever, creating these podcasts, it's just something that just gets in your mind and you can't get it out of your mind. You know, that's a, a, a wonderful thing to have. And during this time, I, you know, there's a lot of people at home who have a lot to write about, I think. <laughs> you have a studio at your house? Uh, yeah, it's, I, it's kind of a makeshift one at that. But uh, yeah, enough to do demos on. Yeah, and, you, and do you record your own stuff on Logic or how do you do it? Yeah, Logic is what I use. Nice. Still, fig still figuring that out. That's one thing I do have a problem with is... Uh, Sometimes, I mean, I can fly a jet airplane, but I cannot program my VCR. <laughs> well, I, I, I hate to tell you, there's That's probably a very not, 90s thing to say, right? Yeah, yeah probably not a lot of use for your v, VHR these days, but uh, I mean, well, unless you yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're um, still on beta around here. <laughs> yeah. I've been writing, I've been writing pretty much a song a day. I've been doing a lot of Zoom songwriting sessions with people in all over, people in Scotland, people in England, people just all over the country. And it's, it's very different when you're not, like there's an energy. I don't know when you started, you've been a musician your whole life? Uh, yeah, since I was 12 really, but you know, before that as well. And what did you, you start, started playing the guitar? Yes, I started playing the guitar because, and, uh, you know, I realized early on I was never going to be able to shred a guitar, you know, and uh, I was not going to be Jimmy Page. And that, that uh, so my defense was songwriting. So I started songwriting very early on and I'm a rhythm player. And I've, I've done most of my songwriting 
by myself. What about you? Do you write alone at all or do you? They say that the better musician you are, the worse songwriter you are and the better songwriter you are, the better musician kind of typically, like if you think about, um, I mean, look, there's always exceptions to the rule. Yes, I mean, I mean that's, who, is, who are they anyway? I know Prince, you know, Prince is certainly one of the greatest writers, players of all time. Paul McCartney yeah. is one of the greatest, but yeah. I mean, at least in, go my, down the line. Yeah. in my experience, when I have in, incredible players, a lot of times they can't just simplify to get to the hook of the song, to get right. to the heart of what we're trying to say, because they want to keep shredding over those parts. And a lot of times mm. I, I work with writers that are incredible lyricists but they can't play an instrument or even sing. Like I work with two writers that can't even sing a melody, but their lyrics are beyond anything I've ever come in. Like, it's just like this thing that happens sometimes with musicians. Like, I think um, it goes back to when we started actually, you know, like a great guitar player, you know, he's going to be really concentrating on fills, which are actually just words without uh, letters, you know, basically there, you know, with, with the guitar that sort of complements what the singer is doing. Uh, you know, you're going to do a habit like that. And uh, I, yeah, I think uh, it just forms a habit. Yeah, I, for me, it's like the, you know, lyric and melody and the, the kind of music that I create and the kind of music that I produce is typically about singing along to the hook, you know, to getting to that moment. And I, I watched a performance of you singing L.A. Woman, which was amazing, by the way, fucking incredible. And uh, I mean, Sunset Marquee. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that was fun with Robbie Krieger. That's right. And, and you think about uh, Break On Through to the Other Side. They get to the chorus within the first 20 seconds of that song. Mm -hmm. It's like the idea. Break on through, if they say it four times, break on through to the other side, break on through to the other side, break on through, break on through. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and, and one of my mentors, this guy, Tom Wally, that ran Warner Brothers for you know, almost 20 years, this legend. He signed Tupac Shakur in an airport. He knew Tupac was gonna be at a connecting flight at Burbank Airport, went to the airport to meet him at this connecting flight and signed him to a record deal that, you know, just in that moment, just a legend, this guy. And he would always tell me, the wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. Don't make the hook so confusing where a non-musician can't sing along, you know? True, Tupac, I'm sure, that meeting was set up, right? He just shouldn't come out of the blue. <laughs> you know, he, he, he literally, he knew the connecting flight. He had met him before and he just went to meet him and signed him to a record deal at the airport. Yeah, that's incredible. I knew uh, Tupac, I did a movie with him and we spent about three weeks. We had Chinese food every day for lunch on the set. And I didn't really, this is the 90s. I didn't really, it was about six months before he passed. So, I mean, that was, gosh, what year was that? That was 2000s and 90s. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't really know who he was, you know, and we just, we connected, uh, I think through our mothers, he was very close to his mother and talked about writing and songwriting and talked about a lot of things. And he carried a book around him, uh, you know, sort of like a diary book constantly that, you know, it was about songwriting whenever the mood would strike. That he would he carry it. He's the greatest of all time. And uh, what, a yeah. what a tragedy. No kidding. I find too, writing, like you just said, writing, like actually writing out stuff mm -hmm. on paper is just better than me going into my phone. It's just, I get, it's just a deeper level.
Yeah, and then you can scratch out things and move it around or just try to think deeper or more simply or whatever it is. As you said, you're right, uh, uh, to get people to sing along, which is to relate on a basic level. Yeah, to get a connection, right? We're all trying to form some kind of connection somewhere. If we're all singing along at the show or whatever, like we feel connected and less alone. I mean, and ultimately that's what we're all looking for, I think. Um, And I think that that's one of the most challenging things going on in this time right now is the lack of connection, the human connection. It's the thing I miss the most. Um, Uh, yeah yeah and uh you know there needs to be that where two or more are gathered uh, you know there is uh there's connection there you know there's god there there's uh something is in motion and movement and i think there's inertia this inertia going going on and it's affecting people's mental health uh affecting you know the kids mental health and uh, people some it's kind of gone on so long so that people I think you know I can feel myself sometimes getting dull dullness starting to to set in or it's set in before I know it and uh you know it's going to be kind of vigilant about that well you that's one the, one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to help people feel less alone you know talking about the stuff that we all struggle with whether it's depression or anxiety or just whatever any of that stuff and what do you do about it like you know, I, I mean, do you struggle with any of that stuff? And do you have any tools that you use and that you might want to share? Of, of course I do. Uh, you know, I'm in a cycle of being able to deal with it a little better <laughs> than I used to. But basically, uh, it's as simple of just saying to myself, this too will pass. You know, there's a lot of cliches that are used for these things. And the reason cliches are cliches is because they're very helpful and true most of the time. And if you can get past the cliche part of it just uh you know surrender to uh, to it and it's it's really about just being in the moment and doing what you can do now and kind of your expectations restructuring those a little bit you look shredded dude your guns are like woo like well, are it's you- one of the things i can do right now is is <laughs> hit my backyard gym <laughs> you have a gym at your house yeah basically i got you know got a weights free weights and you know yoga mats and my road bike cycling the wonderful thing about cycling if done correctly is suffering especially going up hills that's where you really get it in that it makes you forget about everything else except that very present moment that you're in all these endorphins get shot off inside your body which you know helps yeah, cycling can put you into that meditative state when you're, especially when you're going uphill. You start to, I, I would just look down at the pavement. You can't look up the hill. Yeah. And if you look yeah. up the hill, you're dead, right? You got to yeah. look down at the pavement and just <laughs> focus on up. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once in a while. But it really is tough, isn't it? It's just yeah. that you, you, know, you feel your limitations. You get right up to that point where your body is going to fail you. And, somewhere you find a little bit more energy to, to get through that. And it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. You have to dig down and find that inner strength. I like what you were saying about expectations. I, I, there's a saying I love, expectations are resentments under construction, right? <laughs> That's really good. 
Yeah. It's, it's been true for me. Like I, it's always me letting go of expectations of what I think my life is supposed to look like right now. What I think my relationship with my wife or my kids is supposed to be who I'm supposed to be right now, letting go of all those expectations and just trying to enjoy this moment right here, right now with you guys, you know? Yeah, that is so true. You know, before, uh, all of us could say that, you know, the, about the image that we had of ourselves before COVID and now how it changes or that gets challenged because we do have a, a certain image of ourselves that we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be the, the father or the breadwinner or the, the big actor or the musician or whatever it is we're, we're trying to do, get ahead or help others. Get, and, uh, you know, that changes on you. And then you start to, it's your identity. You know, you identify with that. We identify because of our relationships. And when those are in jeopardy, we're like divorce. It uh, totally destroys your identity. That's why it's so devastating, really. And you have to rebuild yourself about who you are. Yeah. So all those things are going on. And, and, and you're actually really none of those things. You are, you are just you, clear of anything else. It's, it's about your self-esteem and your self-worth and everything that gets all wrapped up on it. You know, people are dealing with a lot of issues. That's kind of the reason that, that I've been saying this since it, this all started is that I, I feel that this country, or really the world, in fact, because of this, is, is in the middle of a, a spiritual reawakening. A spiritual revolution is going on. And people say, well, why is all these bad things happening? Well, that's because if you ask God for something, you better be careful because he just might give it to you. And it's never what you expected. And it's probably a lot harder than you would have imagined. All this other stuff, you know, paperwork you got to fill out. And it just doesn't happen like you expect. And it's because we get sort of pruned and burned from that in order to be ready for something. What is, what is that relationship for you with God? What does that look like? To me, it's a personal relationship. I talk with God every day. I treat him like a, a member of my family, like a, a friend, like as if he, when, when I talk to him, he's there to listen. And he talks to me as well, talks through my intuition, through my, conscience through my through my kids through somebody i just happen to meet on the street who says it's a passing thing through what we call signs was that a sign or that a sign the weather the this the that or whatever it is just to be open to that and for me to treat god like that is to have his presence in my day all day i, I want to ask that because um you know my kids and i have seen both A Dog's Journey and A Dog's Purpose were, you know, amazing, amazing movies. And we had a dog when we first moved to Calabasas. We had a dog eaten by a coyote, like right when we moved in. And it was like, those movies really helped my kids sort of have a different perspective. And they say, is it odd or is it God, right? That's an expression when you see those movies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my relationship in God, with God has changed um, a lot since I was raised Catholic. And, um, and I've had all sorts of incarnations of what spirituality looks like for me. But I really see whatever God is for me, I see it in my dogs. And I see this like light and this, you know, like we talk, like you talk about in the movie, a purpose in them. Right. And the idea that, that possibly when our dog Lightning was taken from us, that there's another life, you know, that's going to exist for that soul that left our earth. 
And I just, I love those movies. I'm so grateful you made them, you know? Yeah, doggy Heaven. We're going to make a third. And it, oh, takes, wow. place in dar- it takes place in Doggy Heaven. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> Did those movies change, uh, how they change your life? It was, just, it was so fulfilling to do those films. You know, after a lifetime of relationships with the dogs that have been in my life, they really, the dogs, they've really gotten me through so many times, you know, because dogs are always there. And uh, I agree with you. You can see God in the, in the face of your dog because uh, they, they are always there and that relationship is there. And we talk to them. So, <laughs> you know, so to do that film and to work with the dogs, that in it uh, it was just it was a great experience going to work every day I, I love that you were talking about that constant contact with God all day long because it was someone taught me a long time ago they said if you had a relationship and you talked to that person for two minutes in the morning and then you didn't say a word from them for the rest of the day that relationship wouldn't last and it wouldn't be very good and they said, you know, you need a relationship with a God or a higher power. And that a relationship is a constant dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that really spoke to me, you know, talking about that. And also what you were saying earlier about your identity, wrapping up your identity in your career, your marriage. I, I lost all my hair when I was 26 years old and I was an actor and a model at the time. And it devastated me. And all my self-esteem and self-worth was wrapped up in my looks. And it was stripped away. And so that put me on a spiritual path. And I'm grateful. It was a gift. Yeah. You, wear, you wear that term model loosely. I just, I just want to. Fitness model. Fitness model. <laughs> <laughs> I was super buff at the time. Now I'm not so buff anymore. But. but it's amazing how those things, those exterior things, we were also attached to. And, you know, our mirror. You know, what was the world like before we invented mirrors <laughs> <laughs> and now it's the selfie right it's yeah like... it was, we just started becoming so involved with ourself that's all self-absorbed self-centered self-absorbed we are and it, yeah all of us. yeah it's it's yeah. a challenge to battle against that ego all the time is this me is this my ego i had a conversation with someone yesterday and they said what's god's will and what's my will and i said for me that loud voice was like, go to Vegas, party, hook up with this girl, do another line. And then that quiet voice was like, go home, be a good boy. You got to work in the morning. You got a girlfriend. And, and the quiet voice was my God consciousness, right? And the loud voice was my ego and what I wanted to do at the time. Right. I actually uh, call out to God uh, several things. I quit smoking uh, cigarettes February 1st. And for some reason, it was just so easy this time. I went into a store one time, uh, a gas station, on a road trip, saw the cigarettes in the back, and I was alone, nobody with me. You know, that urge just sort of came up, and I just went, help me, God. <laughs> and it went away. It just, uh, I, think it's, I think it's good to actually really call out. I mean, look, we talk to our dogs. As we might as well talk to God and call out, even if it feels silly at all. because. Yeah, we need to express that, put it in the air and make it vibrate. Yeah. I've been in recovery for 20 years, and I think Feldy's been in for 28, right, Feldy? 31, you Sorry, I didn't mean to shave three years <laughs> off. But I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people call, like, say that story. Like, I literally called out to God for help. And then uh-huh. somebody 
called me and helped me or whatever. Like somebody showed up, you know, the boat well, showed it's up. Something, yeah. It's something everybody who's, who's been through recovery and, uh, in the club as it were would understand about the, you know, the whole idea of having a higher power is very essential to being able to, uh, get and remain sober because we, we tried it our way and uh, what is the first that we realized that we've become powerless and we can't do it alone so in the AA they say whatever it is even if you don't believe in god uh, per se you've got to have a higher power which is the god force it's, it's a spiritual problem in other words yeah they say solve that they way. Say- we can't do it ourselves they say um, God's will is what's happening and it's my job to see the good in it, right? Like that's what, that's what they say is whatever, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like I've seen, and, and you know, I, I'm definitely a fan of yours and I'm so grateful you're on this show and I've seen so many of your movies. And I was thinking about like you playing Jerry Lee Lewis and the struggles that he had in his life, you know, with alcoholism, I'm assuming, I don't, I don't know the depths of it, like I'm sure you do. But I was thinking about the idea that, there's, there, that there is a plan, that I have to trust that there is a plan because the only way we can live is, is living in the moment. Living in tomorrow is just fear, living in yesterday is anxiety. And so for me, I was working with this band and I was thinking about his story, Jerry Lee Lewis. I was working with this band called The Lost Prophets from, uh, from London. And I did a whole album on spec. I just did three months of work. It was, you know, I made this incredible record. They decided in the end to pull the plug and not use any of the stuff that we had done. And at the time I was like, holy shit, what? It's what is going on here. Like I've spent, I've dedicated my life to this group and they, they changed their mind. They didn't use me. And then a year later, the singer, the singer, um, uh, did this horrible, he raped a a, a child and he's, he's in prison for the rest of his life. Anyone associated with this band is dead in the music business, dead. Like you can't mention their name. It's the worst story in musical history. What this what this man did on a crystal meth bender. He's in prison for life, and God had a plan for me that was unlike what I thought I needed at the time. You know, and and, and obviously what Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, his story is very different than this guy. But yet he still struggled a lot with um the press, and he was probably the first guy in musical history that had that kind of drama. Yeah, well, I'm sure God had a plan for him, too. There's consequences to what we do. And, wow, that's, that's, that's a pretty amazing story. Still trying to drink that one. And Jerry Lee uh, has, uh, you know, his struggles and stuff like that. And, you know, I, all I can tell you is that Jerry Lee's clean and sober these days and uh, still out there doing it. He had a stroke about a year and a half ago and hasn't been able to play the piano since. He's doing a concert coming up that uh, I don't know if I can really talk about it yet, but it's I'm going to be doing it with him. Well, that's awesome. It's, yeah, sometime in the fall. That's all I can give. I guess. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that because he's back and he's playing. And uh, he's, what, 80-something? 84 or something? 86. And uh, he's so good doing it. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, he certainly did his wrestling, wrestling with God. That's for sure. Well, we all have our demons that we need to wrestle down at some point, right? And then, and then the question becomes: 
do you, you know, look at this shadow side of yourself? Like we have a shadow side and, there, you know, can you use that shadow side to create, to help other people, whatever, you know, like there's a shadow. For me, for years, I denied that I even had it, that it even existed or I tried to battle against it instead of using it as um, the, the, what's his name? The psychologist would say, not Freud, the other guy, the other big one. Oh, damn it. Escapes oh, me. you Young, yeah. yeah, he talked a lot about the shadow self, and so mm-hmm. the so, anima and the animus. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. amazing stuff. So, did you? Did you, I want to get? I, I, so, breaking uh, breaking away had such a profound effect on me when I was a kid that I started cycling like crazy. And you said you cycle. Did, did it come from that movie, or is it something you picked up recently? Or no, I mean, I rode my bike all the time when I was a kid. You know, I ran. I was a runner for forty years you know, straight. I did a couple of marathons and things like that. And that was what I did. And I thought, you know, getting dressed up in that Lycra, that was really just not for me. <laughs> silly. I, uh, you know, get, I finally, my joints just got so pounded on with, with running that I, I needed some sort of, uh, you know, aerobic thing. And I, this was what, 30 years after uh, breaking away, I, I started riding a road bike and was so great uh, the first time I did it because I got on I feel like tw- I'm 12 years old when I you know or when, when I get on it again it's always feel better when I get off than I did when I got on have have you tried cold plunge any cold therapy cold water yeah. therapy yeah you know I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu like it's a martial art and I get pretty beat up and if I don't do the cold plunge I do the cold plunge and the sauna and the cold plunge like that's kind of my routine yeah that's me too to get in there, does like, it too, yeah. like the water being like 38 degrees. That's cold. I go about oh. 50, 49. Yeah. 38, yeah. man. I'm impressed. You've done the sauna. Have you done the, the banya? The banya yeah. with the, like the Russian sauna with the oak leaves that they. No, have. I haven't done that. I have the I have an infrared sauna. I have the clear light infrared. I also ah, float tanks. fantastic. You know those sensory deprivation tanks? I have one of those. That's my mm-hmm. favorite place to go in my house. Like just mm-hmm. get in there and turn off all the screens and all the noise and and disappear in that thing. It's well, that cold therapy could actually extend your, you know, several athletes have extended their careers by years simply yeah. by you know, getting in cold rather than heat, you know, after a workout, it just really uh, helps to preserve the muscles and yeah. to get rid of the lactic acid that's in there, which is the thing that really degenerates. Well, it's also amazing they're finding for depression. And uh, I've had a few moments mm-hmm. recently, which is new for me. I've been struggling with depression here and there. You know, my whole, like everyone's life, my whole life was canceled out this year. And I can't really do what I like to do that much, you know, going out and teaching this breathwork thing that I teach. And I've been getting in the cold water, man, and it just knocks it out. Like it's gone. It's gone. And then also like my muscles, I feel like I've been hit by a bus after I'm fighting these 20 year olds you know, at uh, jujitsu and the cold therapy just takes all that pain out. Are you doing the cryogenic thing too? No, I do it in the tub. I do like the tub, the cold tub. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you something. You're you're getting in that tub. Yep. Every day. And that water is how cold? Uh, About 48. About 48. It's really cold. Do you still have to go through kind of like a mental routine to get into that? Yeah, Yeah. I have to psych myself up. I like this motivational speaker, Eric Thomas. He's like the number one guy in the world. He's like the guy that says like, you want to be a beast? You got to do what beasts do. Beasts get up at 3 a.m. So I put on Eric Thomas and I get myself all pumped up and I get in there and I listen to it. And I'm like, 
you know, I, and then I focus on my breathing. I'm a breathing guy, right? So I focus on my breath and the breath can take any kind of pain away. Yeah. And so I literally just try and close my mouth and breathe through my nose nice and slow. And that puts you in your parasympathetic nervous system, slowing down the everything, uh, rest and digest is parasympathetic. So I'm here, I'm going... <sighs> And I'm slowing it all down. And I'm just like, relax, you're fine. I might imagine a hot beach. <laughs> so I right. use that. I use that tool, though, to relax in there. Otherwise, I mean, that's what people freak out. They start going, <gasps> oh, they right. go in the truck, right? Or they don't breathe at all. <laughs> yeah, they go in the truck. People yeah. can have heart attacks, right? We had a guy that died here. I live in Bend, Oregon. We had a guy that jumped in the water and died because he went into shock, you know? You have a cold plunge tub at your house? No, lots of ice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really I, I want to put one in the house because I yeah. like doing that every day and just even getting the cold you know the cold water just turning the shower completely cold after it's been hot at the end can really like revive everything what did you say that the, is it called okra where the Russian supermodels hit you with uh, palm leaves <laughs> no it's a, it's a banya that's banya. what they call that yeah you do the banya and uh, yeah you go into a like a regular uh, dry sauna you know that's heated up probably, you know, at 150 degrees, whatever it is. And then they take these leaves, you know, and a bunch of leaves and they dip it in water. And then they whip the air with it and sprinkle it on you. They sprinkle it on you like that, flat, and then they whip the air above your back. So it superheats the air with that, with that moisture. So it goes about 30 degrees even higher. Wow. Almost to the point of scalding you, but not quite thinking what they're doing. For about 10 seconds of this, or really for about a minute of this 10-minute ordeal, you think you're going to, might die. <laughs> you just, things might stop. And then they take you immediately out of that, that dry sauna, and immediately put you in the cold plunge put your body in there and then you lean your head back. So your head's above the water and your feet are above the water and you're kind of a V in the tub. And these are Russian Instagram models that are doing this? <laughs> if, you, if you can find them, yes. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I made a, I made and a then They wrap you up in a sheet and they almost carry you to like this lounge chair and give you honey and tea and is this in la where is this i want to go like to find it i've looked they, uh, there there is one place but it's it's over on off melrose or beverly i've been over there a few times I'm, i guess it's not open now because of covid i think it's called voda spa i think or something like that's that. that's it that's exactly it you're right it's right next to a russian grocery store yeah i've heard that place is incredible the the cold yeah. plunges are amazing there i heard yeah they do the banya there too I used to go to the Korean spa on Crenshaw and they have a cold plunge there. And then, oh, they do? Yeah, and then I had a weird moment with John Travolta in there. So I haven't been back since. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that. Over Scientology. Anyway, I have, also the Hollywood YMCA has a, or had a cold plunge way back in the day when I boxed there. I made a record with this kid, Makua Rothman, who's a big wave surfer. I made a record in Hawaii on the North Shore. And uh, his dad is this guy, Eddie Rothman, that started the Dahui in, uh, on the North Shore of Hawaii. And it was, um, so every day we would make a record when, when we were in Hawaii, we'd surf sunset and, and, and he kind of, you know, the, the, the Dahui run the North Shore. And so the people would just, 
get out of the way when, when, he, when Makua would get in the water. So we'd have all the waves at sunset <laughs> to ourselves. It was incredible. And then every day we worked in my studio here in, in LA, we would train with Laird Hamilton. We would do the, um, you know, with the weights in the pool. He has that super deep pool. And then we do the hot sauna and the cold plunge with Laird. And, uh, you know, we just, I mean, I guess this is a, a long lead up to like, you know, we just watched Soul Surfer about two weeks ago um, and where you play Tom Hamilton, which I don't think is related to. They're Larry. not related. Yeah. Not but, related. What an incredible Larry. journey that family had. No kidding. And what an incredible journey Laird's had as well, by the way. And do you know Buffalo and uh, the Kealanas uh, over on Makaha? As well? No, I don't. Any time over there. You're a North Shore guy. Uh, what, a, what an incredible life that, uh, to be able to do that all the time. That's for sure. But the Hamiltons are uh, they're fantastic people, really. Uh, they taught me a lot about faith. What a great family, a close-knit family. And, they, and the whole thing in the movie about um, the church functions and, and all their faith-based story is all real, yeah? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. That's what's gotten them through, and they live it. And they walk the walk and talk the talk, and uh, they don't judge anybody else. <laughs> they've, they've got a, an incredible family. How often do you get to surf? Not enough. My daughter just got into it, so that's good. This summer, we did get to have the experience of she and I on the same wave down in Manhattan Beach when she was learning. That was really sweet. And, you know, and uh, go to, I go to Hawaii try to take the kids to Hawaii at least once a year, you know, around Christmas time. And North Shore is always really, I love staying over there. But I love to go over to the West Side to, to that's where I learned with the, on the, in Makaha on the West Side with the Kealana brothers. They got these really nice sort of like big volume, but easy to ride waves. And some great people over there to teach you. Yeah, we go to we go to um, Hualalai every year on the Big Islands. I don't know if you've been there. Haven't. Oh, it's inc it's just incredible. It's like a, yeah. it's a whole lava island. It's just like and and the volcano is always producing lava. It's just it's just an incredible experience for the kids. And how old's your daughter? She's twelve. My daughter's eleven, and she is surfing right now. Third Point Malibu. She just got into it two weeks ago. Upset. Right. With surfing, and I don't know if you know this guy, this actor John Philbin, but he was in pretty much every surf movie ever, you know, from North Shore. I mean, every, and so he's their churching, their their surfing teacher, and, mm -hmm. and it's like the experience that she's having is unlike. I mean, I'm so grateful to have this LA life that we lead, you know. Where's the? You said Third Point. Did you mean yeah, over yeah. at Sunset Point? Right? No, no, we're we're right off of Cross Creek. She's right in okay. that lagoon. Okay. That's fabulous. I live in Bend, Oregon now, and we, you know, I go back and forth to LA, or I used to before this whole shutdown. And I've been doing uh, wake surfing behind the boat. Have you ever, have mm -hmm. you tried that? Yeah, that, they call it scurfing in Austin. Yeah, yeah, it is the most fun because you have you're not fighting for waves with anyone. Right. And you just get once you get in that sweet spot, you get to just hang out in that sweet spot as long as your legs can handle the squat. Right? It's just. It's amazing. I mean, that's the, I'm like, I, this is my favorite thing to do right now. It's literally my favorite thing to do right now is to get in that sweet spot behind the boat. So have much you tried fun. That, have you tried uh, those wave machines? I haven't Park? yet. They, they have a river wave here. Waco that's supposed to be amazing. Well, they, a river they, wave? What? 
Yeah, so uh, Jerry Lopez lives here and they have a yep. river wave they created. There's a river that goes through the center of town and there's three surf spots. And apparently there's a guy that controls it and can turn it up and turn it down. And so there's three, there's like easy, medium and hard. And oh, people really? Line, yeah, people wow. line up and do it right here on the river. Bend, Oregon. Because they, yeah. they, the river, I think the river naturally uh, has a surf spot in uh, up, up there in uh, Montreal. Bend, Oregon. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's a it's a great spot for families and how long is the ride? It's long as you can stay up, but I think the guy turns right. it off after five minutes, I've been told. Like he'll shut it off. He's like watching mm. on a on a monitor and he shuts oh. it down. Like your your turns up and like so that the next oh, person yeah. line can, <laughs> there's people just like lined up there. We used to I grew up in Boston and we used to drive up to Montreal when I was eighteen because the drinking age was eighteen in Montreal. That was quite the wild time. I put 10 guys in the back of my truck and drive up and go to the, go to some of the strip bars up there back in the day. <laughs> in the day. <laughs> another life, another lifetime ago. Well guys, uh, I'm going to do an interview coming up here with Sharon Stone here soon, but uh, gosh, I, I really enjoyed talking to you and we should do this again. Thank thanks, you, Dennis. Thanks, thanks so for much, coming man. on, Dennis. Yeah. And we're, we're so excited about the Audio Up uh, podcast platform. So yeah. Well, wherever two or more are gathered, right? Here we are. So let's, let's do it again sometime. Awesome. Thanks, thanks Dennis. Man. Appreciate it. I have a good one. Take care, guys. <laughs>